because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's house they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody. So he could get the execution date pretty much any day? Yeah. There's no impediment. This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 18, Raina. For 20 years, Ivan has said that the ring that Amy B. was wearing the night of the murders was not Amy Kitchen's ring. For 20 years, Ivan has said that the ring that Amy was wearing belonged to her friend Raina. And for 20 years, Ivan has been looking for this Raina. But you see, Ivan never knew her last name. His court-appointed attorneys never hired a PI to find her. Tammy, Ivan's wife, has hired multiple other PIs over the years to try to find this mysterious Raina. And they never could. Well, on November 27th of 2020, I found Raina. I started looking for Raina around June of 2019. So that's almost a year and a half of looking for someone. And needless to say, after all that time, Finding Raina felt pretty good. But let's rewind to the year 2000. You'll remember Amy was actually with Raina at Club 7 the night that Ivan first met Amy. Ivan had only been around Raina a few times, but mainly just that first night. Ivan was with Bobbitt. You'll remember Ivan was Bobbitt's roommate for a few months that summer. Well, according to Ivan, Bobbitt and Ivan hit it off with Amy and Raina that night and they all went back to Raina's apartment and partied until the wee hours of the morning. Bobbitt and Ivan left Raina's apartment likely after the sun was coming up, and I'm sure no one could imagine what would transpire about three months from that night. So flash forward to 2019, when I started working on this case. Here's the information Ivan had on Raina. He sent me a picture of Kelly Ripa's daughter, Lola Consuelos, and said 20 years ago, she looked like that. Olive-colored skin, brunette, high cheekbones, and beautiful. Ivan said back in 2000, she drove an Acura Integra, and she lived at Wildwood Apartments in Euless, Texas, where she also worked as a leasing agent. Amy had also worked there as a leasing agent, and that's how she met Raina. And Ivan said that Raina had a small child, and that's why Ivan and Bobbitt got shooed out of her apartment early that morning. 
And that was pretty much all I had to go on. But even with just a first name and an address, nine out of 10 times you can find someone pretty easy with these PI databases. Though Reyna was an interesting name, in letters, Ivan spelled Reyna, R-A-I-N-A, and that was the way that it was spelled in the trial transcripts. But we didn't know for sure that that was the correct spelling. Ivan couldn't tell what nationality she was. Maybe Hispanic, maybe Italian, or maybe white, but really tan. So the spelling of Reyna's name could vary. I tried these spellings, R-A-I-N-A, R-E-I-N-A, R-E-Y-N-A, R-A-Y-N-A, and R-A-N-A. So I ran all the Reyna name combinations with the complex that used to be named Wildwood Apartments. The complex is now named the Palisades at Bear Creek, located at 200 Bear Creek Drive in Euless, Texas. But in 2000, it went by the name Wildwood Apartments. But nothing came back as a match. I tried combinations of the name plus leasing agent, or just Euless, Texas in Google. Nothing. Searched Facebook. Nothing. And then I just ran every single combination of Reyna having ever lived in Dallas between the current ages of late 30s to early 50s. There were around 100, and I made calls to the top possibilities. Nothing. About that time, I released season one and asked for listeners to help and send in tips. And thank you for everyone who sent tips. I got some amazing Reyna possibilities that I had never come across in my searches. Reynas that were now realtors, which would make sense because in 2000, she was a leasing agent. I got a few Reynas, and based on how she looked now, it could be spot on for a Lola Consuelos lookalike back then. But none worked out. I even thought that one or two might just be telling me I had the wrong Reyna, but none of them came back to formerly Wildwood Apartments at 200 Bear Creek Drive, so I still knew I hadn't found her. And even though it had crossed my mind... I knew Ivan wasn't making her up because Amy testified to knowing her at trial. So she was real, but it was really puzzling why she couldn't be found. And then sometime in November of last year, Tammy forwarded me some old emails from previous PIs, stuff I had never seen before. And one was a typed up statement that Kramer took from Amy. Amy goes through the same timeline for the most part, but in this timeline, she started from the very beginning, the night she met Ivan, when she was with Raina at Club 7. And I could imagine Amy telling Kramer her story and Kramer saying, Raina, how do you spell that? And Amy must have known the correct spelling because she had worked with her, probably saw it in an email or on her desk. And so Kramer spelled Raina a way I had never even thought about or ever tried. Before I even put this spelling in the database, I knew it. Bam, that was it. Her name came back to the address at formerly Wildwood Apartments from April of 2000 to December of 2000, the exact dates within that time frame. I'm not gonna say the correct spelling of her first name or her last name, but you can see her picture on our social media pages. Reyna is a dead ringer for Lola Consuelos, 20 years older. 
Ivan nailed the description. Tan, brunette, high cheekbones, and a very pretty lady. She was a match all the way around. I couldn't believe I found her. And now I had to find out if somehow Amy Betcher had her ring in 2000. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When I first asked Ivan why he was so sure this was Raina's ring, he said that Raina had called him shortly after he started going out with Amy and said that she didn't want anything else to do with Amy and that Amy was using him and on drugs and nothing that she said was true. Ivan said that Raina told him that Amy still had some of her stuff and she was trying to get it back, but Amy kept blowing her off. And he noticed Amy having a few new pieces of costume type jewelry, hoop earrings, the CZ ring, and some club clothes, tight pants and a belt, that kind of stuff, right around the time that she stopped hanging out with Raina. And Ivan said that the club clothes and jewelry were Raina's style. However, Raina had never told him specifically that Amy had taken her ring. He just assumed the CZ ring was probably Raina's because that was with the other stuff that he figured Amy had gotten from Raina. So Ivan says he's not 100% that the ring came from Raina, but he put it at 90 plus percent because Amy didn't have the ring and then she had it along with all this other stuff when Raina stopped hanging out with her. Now, it was time to see what Raina had to say about it. So I called her, and she didn't pick up, and I left a message. I told her I was looking into a case from 20 years ago. It was regarding an Amy Betcher and an Ivan Cantu, and she may or may not have some information that could help. I just needed to ask her a few questions but she never called back. After I tried Raina once a week via phone call and text for three weeks with no response, it was time to knock on the door. Tammy had been hearing about this mysterious Raina ever since she started talking to Ivan. Had her husband been telling the truth or had he been lying about this Raina? It was coming to a head tonight. So I had to call her. So I just want to know what's going through your mind right now. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I hope that uh, this is solved, you know, 
albeit I would want it to be in Ivan's favor, but either way, you know, just just to know. Yeah, because Ivan's been talking about Raina for 20 years. Yeah, absolutely 20 years. It's in the transcript, you know, I mean, it was testified to a trial by Betcher. That, that she knew Raina. And I, yeah. I have no doubt that this Raina knows Amy. The big thing is that uh, does she remember 20 years ago, this random girl that she worked with for a couple months and taken things from her? I've never said that she said uh, Amy specifically took a ring, but just like different kind of like he said, gaudy jewelry, that kind of stuff. Right. And I don't believe um, that Ivan would say that and have us looking and looking and looking and just to make us look stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would hope not. I mean, it was his idea to send his mom over there. I don't live in Texas, and I didn't know when I could get out there. And clearly, Raina didn't want to talk to me anyway. We didn't know why, but we all thought she would be more sympathetic and would talk once she saw an older woman like Sylvia at her door. So on January 15th of 2021, Sylvia drove over to Raina's house. By the time she got there, it was the evening, and it was cold, just above freezing that night. Sylvia parked her car in front of the house and made her way to the door. in the driveway. The um, driveway has a space for two cars before entering the uh, garage, but only the truck is here. So I'm gonna wait for a little bit and see if they come home from dinner. The front door uh, has a sign that says Aloha. So I'm pretty sure this is her home. You'll remember we found out that Raina was from Hawaii. Sylvia made her way back to the car and texted me while I was still on the phone with Tammy. Let's see. Oh, boy. Uh, she just texted. Uh, I knocked several times. I can see the two large dogs barking. No answer. I'll come back in 15 minutes and try again. Let's see. Well, what time I... is it? It's 7, 7.43 there. Yeah. So... 
Um, let, let me call Sylvia real quick, and then I'll call you back. It's cold out here. <laughs> I bet. So can you see any uh, vehicles in the driveway, or is it a garage? Yeah, or? there's a truck, and I took uh, the license plate. It looks like an F-150. And there was another space where a car, like an SUV, could park right next to it or another car. But when I pulled up, uh, there was a silver Nissan parked in the front by the mailbox. So I parked behind it. Okay. And I was getting my recorder uh, volume set up. And uh, that way I could just walk over there and start recording while I was walking. So were there any lights on at the house? or? Now there was earlier. There was a kind of a, I think it was like a dim light, uh, like a, a front office light. A couple came out and they were black. Both of them were black. And uh, she started driving off, so I followed her. And I rolled down my window and tooted my horn. So how did you, you pulled up beside her, like at a stop sign? Oh, yeah. Next, yeah, at a stop sign uh, at the end of her block. And uh, she rolled down the window so I could talk to her, and I asked her uh, if she was rain of And uh, the gentleman and her at the same time said no. And that was it. So I want to go back and sit on the house. But it does say aloha on the front door. Yeah, and she's from uh, Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's her house. I mean, the Raina, um, because her husband's black, mm -hmm. um, I believe. But are you sure that the female that you saw was black? Yes, she was small. Uh, they were not the build that I saw for him. He's buff. Yeah, and you saw the picture of Raina that I sent you. Oh yeah. So that wasn't her. Mm -mm. Raina even uh, looks Hawaiian. Yeah, she looks Hawaiian. Polynesian. Mm -hmm. uh, because they probably would have called uh, the homeowners, Raina and them, if they were leaving from the house and said that there's a woman looking for Raina, huh? It's possible. So, yeah, I think we just have to set it out and we got to get I don't an care answer. if I'm here. I, I don't care if I'm here, you know, pretty much all tonight. I, I want to talk to her. I'm just going to let her know. I'm going to flat tell her, you know, I'm trying to save my son's life and I need to talk to you. Texas yeah. wants to execute him for, for a, a, a crime he didn't commit. That I think, uh, you know, the girl that he was with has a lot to do with what happened to him. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, she probably doesn't want to bring that time up. No. She needs to know that, that you know, this is not anything that uh, is going to disturb her or her life. But it could very well be something that she says or has to say uh, during that time. Uh, that could save Ivan's life. There's a quick trip over here close to the house. So uh, I'm going to grab some coffee and then go over there and sit on the house. 
Sylvia headed to the gas station and tried to warm up with a cup of coffee. When she got back to Raina's house, she hit the recorder back on. Okay. There's a car out front, and I'm going to go knock on the door. Yes, I am. I'm Sylvia Kelly, too. Is your wife at home? What, uh, what is it that you, what you, what do you do? I've been looking for Raina for 20 years, and I need to speak with her for about 10 minutes. Speak with, who are you and what do you need? She holds possibly the information that I need to help my son, he was wrongly convicted and he's on death row and Texas wants to kill him. But there's one piece of evidence that she holds the key to and I need to know if she can help me with that and let me know what she knows so that what evidence are you looking for? Because I don't even know who you're talking about or what you're looking for. My son was dating somebody back then. He was young and he was just partying like everybody else. He was 20. Back, what back then? How long ago? Did... We're talking 2000. What, 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we ain't going to be able to help you. I just need to know about one night. And I'm, I'm, I just told you, I don't think we're going to be. Somebody reached out and, and my wife has no idea what they're talking about. That's 20 years ago. I'm sorry for your circumstances and I'm sorry we can't help you. Sir, all she has to do is answer one you. question for me. I'm sorry. This is not going to get her in trouble. It's, this is I'm not going to get you in trouble. in trouble. It may and save I, my son's life. I, I, it, but if there's no way we can save your son's life if we can't help him. If I ask her the question, that there's might jar no, her there's memory. No questions going to be asked here today. Or, or any other day. That was 20 years ago. We don't know nothing about nothing that happened 20 years ago. I'm sorry for your son, but ain't nothing we can do to help. There was an item that was stolen from me. And, and I'm telling you again, I, I just told you, I understand your persistence, but it's starting to frustrate me because sure. you're standing at my door. You're ringing my I'm doorbell. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry crazy, to bother you at and night. We have nothing to do with what happened to your son. But if you had a child, about that, if you had it. a child that was wrongly convicted, you you'd come I, and help I, him too. If I had a child that was wrongly convicted and I knew somebody could help, then I would. But I just told you we can't help you. Don't nobody know nothing about what happened. I just need to know what items were stolen and from I'm, her and that I'm night. I'm telling you, this is the last time I'm gonna tell you to. If you come back here, I'm going to call the police. It's that simple. Thank please, you. please, please reconsider. I, I talk. Take my number no, down, no, please. No, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. 
And I'm asking you respectfully because I'm not going to do it again. Have I'm trying to be as PI. respectful as I can. Just have her talk to my no, PI. There's nobody going to talk to anybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. Thank you. My son's blood is on your hands. That, that, no, your son's blood is on his hands. That did not go well. So what happened? He answered the door. And he says, you know, somebody's been calling. He want to know what is this about? You know, something about 20 years ago. He doesn't know. She doesn't know anything from 20 years ago. And I said... I just want to ask her a question. Will you ask her if something was taken from her by another girl? He says, nope, you're already, you know, not listening to what I'm saying. We're not saying, we're not talking to anybody. She has nothing to say. And I will not have, she wasn't going to come, he wasn't going to have her come to the door. You couldn't see her in the background? Nope. Just to, as you uh, open the front door, you can see the staircase to the right. Behind him was... Uh, the fireplace, living room area. He said, if I come back, he's going to call the police, but he doesn't want me on his property. And then when I went to my car, I wasn't in the car very long before he uh, was at my window. He says, uh, I've already asked you to leave. If you don't leave, I'm going to call the police. He thought I was going to camp out there, I guess. But he definitely doesn't want anybody talking to her. I said, my son is on death row. He was wrongly convicted. I said, would you please let me ask for one question? No, you've got to go. I just, uh, I don't know what to make of that, Matt. How is it that people can be so cold-hearted when they could possibly help somebody? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Maybe she doesn't want anyone to ever know that she ever was associated with anyone like that. Her family sees her in a different light. She's a different person today. She's settled. She has a good life. But regardless of that, you know, they should be open to helping someone and letting us know, you know, I can tell you this, but as far as I'm going to go or this far as I can answer, I can't answer anything else. Anything, just something. She doesn't know anything 20 years ago. I find that hard to believe. We don't get any better. I hope she was at the staircase. I hope she heard. To say that she knows nothing is not correct because we're just asking her questions about Amy Betcher. So we know she knows something about Amy Betcher. I mean, she knows she's on death row, so 
I think it is what we thought that she doesn't want to open that chapter back up in her life, but I think she has met Amy Betcher and uh, she does know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, she does. She wouldn't be so protective and having him answer the door. Right. If there was nothing. You're, you're right. Something happened. If there was nothing to it, I mean, I just don't understand why she's so hesitant to, to say anything. It does make you think that she does know something, because otherwise she would come to the door. Why does she send her husband to the door? Something's not kosher. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. Well, I'm sorry that you uh, had to. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that we got the job done. I mean, sorry you had to spend your night doing that, but. Um, we I'm we needed glad, to know. I'm glad it got this far, you know. And any little bit helps because you have no idea how this is going to um, pan out. What makes it even worse is that James's family thinks that you know he's already had a decent hearing and thinks that he's he had all of his evidence and his chance and there isn't any reason to go back. They have no idea, you know, what was done in that courtroom to hide things from Ivan's attorney. They have no idea what shenanigans and what charlatan tricks they did. And that might sound like a mother scorned because her son was found guilty of capital murder and sentenced to death. But regardless of guilt or innocence, there were questionable proceedings going on in that courtroom during Ivan's trial. You'll remember in episode 10, when we covered the trial with Ivan's lawyer, Gina Bunn, we discussed the Subrosa hearing. Well, nothing was more evident of the shenanigans that Sylvia spoke of than this day in court. You see, on the third day of Ivan's trial, there was a Subrosa hearing, meaning the jury and Ivan were not present for this. It was just the prosecution, the defense, and the judge in the courtroom. And it was discovered that Ivan's lawyers didn't have all the evidence. This is part of the Sub Rosa hearing from the trial transcripts being read by actors. At the time that we broke, the DA was going to go through its materials to see what it could come up with. I understand that you found some things, is that correct? That was the judge, Judge Charles Sandoval. There are some things, Your Honor, that are another officer's report that Detective Wynn did not use to refresh his memory. That was the prosecutor, Gail Falco. And you'll remember that Detective Wynn was the lead homicide detective. This was discovered when the detective was on the stand, and he had a huge police file on this case that apparently had never been turned over to the DA and in turn to the defense. These were items never in our possession, being the district attorney's office. We're just pulling all those things out and copying them for the defense. And so it appears to be quite thick, but there's a huge stack that's nothing but like a stack of evidence, like every single piece of evidence that was on the computer and printed out. Some of the stuff I know I turned over in Discovery. So as far as extra reading material, There's not a whole lot of extra reading material. But there are going to be some other things? There are going to be some other things, yes, sir. 
Okay, and I guess that's what I want to ask you. Do you have any feel for how much it's going to be right now? It's this stack in my hand, Your Honor, which is about two inches thick, three inches thick. You think that you'll be turning that over? Yes, sir. We also have one document, Judge, that, albeit probably not probative and not admissible, appears to be covered by Brady, which we have never seen before until he got this from the officer. Appears to be a lead sheet that some anonymous caller to the police department says the killer is a fellow named Mario Rojas, and that Mario is, apparently, a major drug dealer. And this is a lead sheet that was received, and I'm assuming that's exculpatory if he's supposed to be somebody else doing the killing, and it's a lead sheet. But at any rate, you just discovered it for the first time today? We just... It was the first time we saw it, and we pulled it out. But there were some others with him. So, I mean, that wouldn't necessarily exculpate the defendant. He could have been one of those with him, too. So that's why I'm vague on the issue. I never caught this line until I was going back over this part of the trial transcript. The prosecutor says, quote, there were some others with him, unquote. Now, what does that mean? Because the state's case is that Ivan committed the murders by himself. Who were these others? Would that indicate that the prosecution knew there were likely at least two people involved in the murders? I don't know. But why does it seem like even the prosecutors think there might be more to this story? Here it is again. Because what else could this mean other than the prosecutor acknowledging that other people could have been involved? There were some others with him. So, I mean, that wouldn't necessarily exculpate the defendant. He could have been one of those with him, too. So that's why I'm vague on the issue. Why is the prosecutor vague on the issue if Ivan committed the murders by himself or other people were involved? And this was Ivan's lawyer's response to the revelation of the newly discovered evidence of an anonymous tip that Mario Rojas killed James and Amy. Your Honor, I think the state has brought up a conspiracy theory, Judge. I'm going to need a very lengthy continuance to investigate this. Judge, you know I'm teasing, right? All right, and I tell you what, if you're going to err on one side or the other, err on the side of giving it to him. And that's exactly what we've done, Your Honor. Anything that just said for Detective Wynn, even though he didn't have it with him up there and he hadn't reviewed it, if it's said for Detective Wynn, we're turning it over. Even if it's a property sheet that he signed, we're turning it over. Okay, when do you expect to give it to the other side? In just a moment. So Ivan's defense team got a stack of papers two to three inches thick of evidence they had never even seen before. And you heard Ivan's lawyer just joke about it and sarcastically ask for a continuance. They weren't even going to try to dig in 
and investigate any of this newly discovered evidence. So yes, I think it's fair to say that there were some shenanigans in that courtroom. For Sylvia's son, Ivan's capital murder trial. And now, 20 years later, Sylvia is driving around Texas, knocking on doors, trying to save her son's life. How is it that people can be so cold-hearted when they could possibly help somebody? I don't get it. I just don't get it. So did Amy really have Raina's ring the night of the murders? As of now, we don't know. Had Ivan's attorneys hired a PI 20 years ago, they would have easily found Raina, and we would know the answer. But if they didn't take a tip that someone else committed the murders seriously, they certainly were not going to investigate the second ring theory, or the second gun theory, for that matter. Now, 20 years later, pinning down details, details that could save a man's life, become exponentially more difficult. As a private investigator, I'm just trying to get as close to the truth as possible. And on this night, we were on the doorstep. Would Ivan have sent his mom over to Raina's house if he didn't truly believe Raina held a key to his freedom? Again, we don't know. But now that Raina has been located, if Ivan gets a new trial, Raina will be subpoenaed, and she would be forced to testify. As you heard in the last episode, three separate individuals saw Amy Betcher wearing an engagement ring in a location that was not on her timeline after the murders, which would certainly seem to indicate that she was wearing a ring other than Amy Kitchen's ring at least prior to the murders. So, even if we can't prove that was Reyna's ring right now, there's a strong argument to be made that there was a second ring in play. But that's not going to be enough to save Ivan's life. And Sylvia knows it. Something's going to have to break. There's going to have to be divine intervention for Ivan. The truth is out there somewhere. He deserves to have a fair trial. And then we'll know the truth. A new trial is yet to be seen. But Ivan did have another day in court. The only time Ivan has stepped back into a courtroom since the 2001 conviction. It was a DNA hearing in February of 2020. So did that get us closer to the truth? And were those findings good or bad for Ivan? My name is Angela Ross, and I am currently an independent DNA expert. So does that indicate to you that Ivan was wearing those genes or not wearing those genes? In a way, it indicates to me that the genes were clean. <laughs> it means that nobody was wearing it. There's no DNA profile. It's not James, because I know we're in the podcast. You know, earlier it's mentioned that these genes are not Ivan's size. So what this indicates to me is no one was wearing the genes. 
Wow. <laughs> Next time on Cousins by Blood. If you're a fan of the podcast, please give a five-star rating on iTunes. To find out more about the case and to see pictures, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cousins by Blood Podcast. The Judge, read by Robert Weinheimer. The Prosecution, read by Catherine Ganimi Leach. And Ivan's Lawyer, read by David Whitlock. If you have any information about this case, you can email me at cousinsbybloodpodcast at gmail.com. Mixing and mastering by Jody Abbott. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.